0: welcome everyone to monday match analysis i'm gil gross daniel medvedev has his first major title and it comes at the 2021 u.s open at the expense of novak djokovic's grand slam bid which ends in the final ends in the 28th match 20 27 of 28 and Medvedev comes through in his maiden slam, straight set, 6-4, 6-4, 6-4. I'd like to start off by congratulating Daniil Medvedev and his fans for a well-deserved accomplishment that was really inevitable and uh, one that that he was ready for in terms of someone who's one in Canada, one in Cincinnati, one in Shanghai, won the Paris Masters, won the ATP Finals, made the Australian Open final. At a certain point this was going to happen. He had put in the work, his game was ready and it happens at the 2021 US Open. So there's so much to unpack here. It was a very emotional final despite the straightforward nature of the match there was so much history on the line for Novak and a lot of things going on and it was such an incredible immensely memorable run for Djokovic for it to end in the final match that was heavy and then for someone to win their first major that's always emotional and and heavy in itself um, so here's What's in store for us. Always special the Monday after a major. My very favorite shows. Um, I'm going to start off by talking about Novak, which I don't normally do. I don't normally start off by talking about the the loser of the match, but um, I want to talk about why it was different um, yesterday on that Sunday for Djokovic. Why it wasn't the same old story that we'd seen all tournament where Djokovic was able to work through the difficulties that that he was facing from the pressure and the nerves and not just this tournament, but really throughout the last couple years, he's always been able to kind of come through uh, these kinds of matches and, and he wasn't. Then I will talk about Medvedev and all of the things that saw him dominating the proceedings here And the improvements that he's made that have put him in a position where he was ready to break through and win this title. A title that has been so coveted by Daniil Medvedev's peers. Stefano Tsitsipas and Alexander Zverev, they had actually been closer than Daniil Medvedev. Both had been two sets to love up in major finals. And more on that is coming later. Um, This video is brought to you by Rally Tennis our friends at Rally Tennis. It's a free, uh, it's a new mobile app that makes it easy to play tennis in your area. Whether you want to compete or just train, creating an account is free. Just head over to rallytennis.com or search for Rally Tennis in the app store. And if you sign up and use me, Gil Gross, as your referrer, you'll also get $10 towards your account. Novak Djokovic is the best pressure player That I've ever seen. Nobody handles nerves better than him. Nobody comes through tight situations. And is able to muster their best tennis. Better than Novak Djokovic. I believe that to be very, very much the case. But if you understand the big picture here. It becomes very clear why this final was completely different. And why Djokovic couldn't really have a chance here against as good a player as Medvedev, who is going to play his best tennis and did. The reason why Novak is the best there is under pressure is, and I covered it when he got through the Wimbledon final, very tight against Matteo Berrettini, very tight, didn't matter, still one and four, is because Djokovic leans on his legs, leans on his consistency, And those things don't, especially his movement, doesn't go away no matter how tight he is, no matter how much pressure there is. I get a lot of questions from people. Why has Nadal become less and less clutch as his career has progressed and he's had to adapt his game? The answer is because he's had to get more offensive. I get a lot of people asking me, why Has Roger Federer lost way more matches from up match point than Djokovic and Nadal? Why has Federer lost so many heartbreakers? Why has he not been able to come through? Because he's the most offensive. When you have to play offensive tennis, it's difficult to play that tennis with nerves. If you're tight, it's hard to execute there. Well, it's a lot easier to lean on movement and, and consistency to increase the margins, which Nadal was able to do for most of his career, by the way, and just can't do it really anymore in the, the 2.0, 3-point version of himself. But Djokovic and the way his his movement is still great, is still elite um, at the highest, highest of levels. So he's always been able to lean on that. And... Against Berrettini, he didn't have to be offensive in that match, just as an example. He didn't have to be. Against Zverev in the third set, in the semifinal here, at at 4-5. There was one point where he took charge, the set point, but none of the other points in that game was Novak offensive. He didn't need to be. He He leaned on his legs, leaned on his movement, his court coverage, his return, putting balls in play. ...and putting pressure on his opponents. That's why he's incredible under pressure. Because that never goes away. Well, he didn't have that in this final against Medvedev. Didn't have the legs. And without his legs, he's not... He's not the player who he normally is... ...trying to deal with the pressure. Um, All the tennis caught up to him. um, And he did not have the explosiveness. He didn't have the spring... There might have been some emotional fatigue. That's less clear, but all of the the dropped first sets, the five-setter against Zverev, the four sets very physical against Brooksby, the four sets somewhat physical against Nishikori, four sets against Runa, I don't know how much that really factors in, but uh, all, you know, if you if you take the big picture and and also just how much stress he was feeling throughout and how tiresome that is just didn't have the legs this time. And that's what makes Djokovic great at handling the pressure. It's not that he's immune to it. It's not that he doesn't get tight. He gets tight, but he deals with it. He handles it in a way That is really asks so much of the opponent because he's even as tight as he is, he's not missing and his defense is there and his return is there. His depth is there. His consistency is there. He's not making errors. The only thing that happens when Djokovic gets tight is he can't produce the easy offense from the baseline. That's the only thing that happens, but everything else is still there. That's why he's incredible in that position. And normally his opponent is tight too. And that makes it even harder. So that was the big difference for me. Um, and we will get to more specific areas where not having the legs hurt Novak and where in the game was that evident. And, and I will provide some evidence uh, there. But but yeah, Novak felt the pressure. Um, the combination of nerves, I mean the nerves are hard, but not uh, feeling nervous and not having the explosiveness in the legs it was a deadly cocktail. There was no overcoming that for Djokovic. He wasn't going to be able to play his best tennis. Um, now, let's shift gears to Daniil Medvedev. Daniil Medvedev, the reason why he was ultimately first, and tsitipas and Zverev are still without slams, and Medvedev has one, is because Daniil Medvedev is the best front runner of his generation, and it's not even close. When things are going well for Medvedev, when he is confident, he develops a swagger to his game, and he's able to maintain a belief in his tennis that is bulletproof. He is the best closer. He is an absolutely brutal and ruthless front runner. And you don't just see that in a match against Djokovic in the final. You see that in the first round, in the second round, in the third round, when he's not just winning. He's obliterating dudes, obliterating them. Because when he is ahead, when he is cruising, he is a train that is nearly impossible to stop. The inertia is strong with Daniil Medvedev, to use a physics metaphor, which I hope people get. Um... But basically, the most impressed I was for Daniil Medvedev in the entire final was absolutely serving that, serving it out at 5-4 in the third set. Because at that point, for the first time in the match, Djokovic, I believe, had shaken off the nerves. Basically, admitting defeat and starting to enjoy the crowd instead of focusing on winning uh, the match, just enjoying the crowd. And that was this unbelievably emotional uh, changeover where he started just smiling and taking it all in. And then the smile turned into tears. And Djokovic was was crying at that changeover uh, because I think he was overcome with emotion. And he said it was because of the crowd and how much love he was feeling. And the best baseline ball striking of the match that Djokovic was able to produce, and a lot of the best returns he was able to produce was in this 5-4 game. And Medvedev rallied so well in the opening two points that he was able to still get out to a 30-love lead, hit an amazing plus-one backhand for 40-15 down the line, um, and then uh, get a free point with his serve on match point, and then did the Dead Fish celebration, which was the most... Weird match point, and I love it, by the way, because Medvedev, I think, is weird, everything about him, in, in the in the best way possible. In the most, I mean that with 100% affection. Medvedev does not blend in. Nothing about him blends in. Nothing about him is status quo. I love that. Um, but the celebration from, first of all, the fact that the crowd was booing him during the toss— So when we watch back that match point in 15 years, first you're going to hear, boo, Medvedev tosses the ball, hits a service winner, flops on the ground like a dead fish. Everything about that match point was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Anyway, that was the most impressive game of the match by either player, by either competitor. And it just highlights the reason why Daniil Medvedev got through here because who knows what, what happens if Djokovic breaks there. Who the heck knows what happens in that match? Stefano Tsitsipas has been up two sets to love in a major final. And so has Alexander Zverev. The reason Medvedev wins, the reason Medvedev is first before his peers, and by the way, I believe that all three of them were very competitive about this almost arms race of who's going to win the first major. The reason Medvedev lifts the trophy before the other two is because he's a fantastic frontrunner. The other two aren't. Zverev with a lead, Tsitsipas with a lead, that belief, that confidence, They can st- those doubts, they creep in. That tightness creeps in. But when Medvedev is feeling it, he is a force to be reckoned with. And I want to highlight that about Daniil Medvedev. Now let's get tactical. What pushed Medvedev over the edge? Well, Daniil Medvedev, in a lot of ways, is a similar player to what he was in 2019, 2 years ago when he made the final here. I would describe his game the same exact way. It is an absolutely unprecedented skill set that Daniil Medvedev owns. That that's Zverev kind of approaches in in play style, but but the way Medvedev uses his 6 foot 6 height to serve And to have an elite serve and to couple that with a first serve return where he puts more balls in play, as many balls in play as anyone else, covers the court as well as anyone else, has shot tolerance, consistency, and depth as much as anyone else, and plays that kind of grinder defensive style from the baseline or at least is able to, the combination of that and the big serve – Has never been seen in this sport before because generally when you're six foot six, you you can't move that well. And Medvedev denies that. It is the he is a unicorn. And that is the the term that they've used in basketball for like a Kevin Durant type. Kevin Durant is a six foot eleven player who dribbles and shoots like players who previously in basketball only undersized guys, only six footers, only six foot three point guards could dribble and shoot as well as Kevin Durant can. So there's your cross border analogy. He was that guy in 2019. He was that he's that guy in 2021. He serves well, he defends well, he trades well. That's Daniil Medvedev. But in 2019, his strengths were not as refined as they are in 2021. I don't think Daniel Medvedev has really transformed his weaknesses. I think he's refined his strengths, and I love that. I think it's a great lesson for younger players and and coaches and fans, whatever it is. It's not always about improving weaknesses. Sometimes it's about improving your strengths. So Medvedev serves well, right? But his second serve wasn't great. It was pretty weak, pretty average. It could be taken advantage of back in 2019 for large parts of 2020. And even in 2021 against the elite returners, as it was against Novak Djokovic in the Australian Open final. Second serve, kind of weak. Okay, Medvedev defends well, right? That's the second strength. Doesn't pass well. So if you wanted to finish on Medvedev, you just had to approach the net. You could get some volleys. You could finish up at the net. You should still finish up at the net against Medvedev. But now he passes pretty well. He's learned how to get the ball low on the passing shots. So, serve, defense, strengths in 2019, strengths in 2021, but refined strengths in 2021, because he hits his second serve much better, his kick serve, much better, much heavier, and uh, mixed in some some first serves as the second serves here, uh, and the passing shot's much better. Now, Medvedev's counter-striking, let's start with the defense and the passing shots. Medvedev's counter-striking was a mismatch for Djokovic's finishing in this match. So, covering Djokovic's nerves, what, is, what happens to a Novak Djokovic who's nervous? Well, his arm is tight, his mind is cloudy, and as a result, he's just not going to finish as well. Which means he's, his, uh, his baseline aggression is not going to be as heavy. It's not going to be as precise, and the result of that was clear. Djokovic only hit five winners from the baseline in this match. The other 19 winners he hit in the match were aces, volleys, and overheads. Only five winners from baseline ground strokes. Now, the uh, the reaction for Djokovic was, I got to come up to the net. My ground strokes, my timing isn't good enough. I'm not I'm not feeling it off the ground. My arm isn't loose enough for me to hit big enough uh, from the baseline to hit it past Medvedev. So I just got to come forward. Well, Djokovic net points won, became less and less efficient as the match went on. 89% in the first set, 63% in the second set, 59% in the third set. But with each set, Novak went to the net. More and more and more. The net approaches increased. The efficiency decreased. The reason is that Medvedev keyed in on the passing shots. I think it just became much more predictable for him. But the other thing was back to Novak's legs um, in combination with how Medvedev has improved his passing, passing shots. Novak was not getting in tight enough to the net was not getting close enough, was lacking the explosive movement to cover the distance close to the net. You want to get closer to the net because that gives the ball less time to drop and you get a higher volley. And a higher volley is an easier volley. Medvedev was hitting, dipping, passing shots and Novak wasn't getting tight enough. He just wasn't quick enough up to the net. And then sometimes it was decision-making. Sometimes, and I'll talk about a key point later, uh, Novak would try to approach the net from too far behind the baseline and he wouldn't get in tight enough. So Medvedev has improved his passing shots and now he's able to dip them down low and Djokovic was not getting up tight enough. That is why Djokovic, 63%, 59% in the second and third sets, that is not good for net approaches for Novak because when Novak is approaching the net, he's actually in a winning position in the rally. So that slice, the pie slice of those points... You might say, well, Gil, better better than half. So it's working, right? No, it's not working. 59%, that is not working because that is a slice of points that Djokovic is in charge of. Generally, they're going to be on his serve and generally they're going to be points that he is dictating. That's how he gets up to the net. So 59%, is that good? No, it's it's bad. It's really bad because he's supposed to win a larger, whoops, a much larger percent of the points where, where he's in that winning position where he can come up to the net. Um, And 63% isn't good either. Uh, Djokovic net approaches, he wants those at at least 80% win percentage. It's different if you're like Feliciano Lopez and you're forcing your way to the net all the time. But Djokovic is not that guy. And by the way, the serve serve volley tactic was very effective for most of the match. So just to paint a picture, uh, that was effective and the net numbers were still really low, even Even though serve volley was working. So during, you know, when Djokovic was finding his way up to the net after rallies, or in the middle of rallies, I should say more accurately, he was not winning those points at a high rate at all. So, passing shots improved for Medvedev, big difference in this match. What about the second serve? Well, very simple. Medvedev upped the ante here. Medvedev was so much better here. In Australia, there were points, especially in the second and third sets, where I thought Medvedev's second serve was borderline embarrassing. <laughs> Not embarrassing because, like, it was bad. Embarrassing because Djokovic was making it look embarrassing. It, there was one return that I'll never forget, where Djokovic hit it so cleanly, deep middle, that Medvedev actually was knocked backwards and turned his back, turned his back to the net because the ball came at him so hard and fast that it basically knocked him backwards and spun him around. That's what I mean when I say the way Novak was returning Medvedev's second serve got borderline embarrassing in Australia. (laughs) Well, uh, I think Daniil just made a decision. That wasn't going to happen here. Even if Daniil had to hit to first serves, and it came to that at times. Daniil was not going to allow himself to be bullied off the second serve. There is no way he could have done that early in his, early in his career, and it wasn't like 2019 Cincinnati. I know some of the more uh, some of my more uh, sharper and uh, perhaps tennis nerdier viewers might say, Gil, he did that in 2019 in Cincinnati." 2019 Cincinnati was a little bit different because Medvedev was really hitting the 130 flat bombs, and he was doing it every single time, which in my opinion is a much less effective way to utilize that tactic. There were far more double faults um, in Cincinnati than he hit here, and it wasn't surprising at a certain point. What Medvedev did here was he mixed it in occasionally, and in my opinion, tastefully. So very different, more sustainable the way he uh, deployed that tactic. Um... And the average second serve speed is uh, is a stark difference. So um, in this final, Medvedev averaged 99 miles per hour on the second serve, and he won 58% of points. At the Australian Open against Djokovic, Medvedev averaged 93 miles per hour, so a um, 6 mile per hour difference, 6 miles per hour lower, won 32% of the points. So big, so massive. Uh, Now, part of that is part of second serve percent or second serve points one is just how many rallies you're winning. So that plays into it because Medvedev dominated the long rallies in this match. But a lot of it was simply the serve return dynamic of Medvedev's second serve. So there you see it. There you have it. Just to hammer home this point one more time Medvedev's strengths, serve and defense being refined improving the kick serve, which was his worst serve, improving the passing shots, which was the worst part of his defense. Let's move on to the serving though, because Medvedev serving played a huge role in this match. Um, he got way more free points than Djokovic. That was one of my big keys. I said that, uh, in order for Medvedev to, to win this match, he was going to need to, uh, He was going to need to come up with far more free points than Novak. And I have some stats here. They're not the best stats because I don't like the way IBM does service winners. IBM doesn't count all unreturned serves as service winners, which I believe they should. They only count it when it's like a near ace or an essential ace. So then they say it's a service winner. But here are the stats. 16 total um, aces for Medvedev and three service winners. So that would come out to 19 total uh, free points. I know that Medvedev had more because I tracked the first two sets um, and I, I ran out of time here, uh, which is why I didn't do the third. Uh, but 22 free points Medvedev got in the opening two sets. Djokovic hit six aces and two service winners. That is obviously eight free points. Um, so according to IBM, ACES Plus Service Winners. It was eight versus nineteen. Stark, stark difference, and that's what had to happen. Medvedev hit his spots beautifully. His serving was just as good as you'll see it. Seventy-three percent unreturned in the first set, his first serve. And in this match, if you watched it, one thing Djokovic needed was energy. He needed energy. He didn't have it. He was the he looked fatigued. Uh, just as he looked very fatigued as well as nervous, but mostly fatigued. And big serving sucks the energy out of the match. It pulls a crowd out of it. It pulls your opponent out of it. It really has an effect on a match when when you're not getting the return back. And it's it has a way of being demoralizing. But mo- most importantly, it keeps the crowd out of it. And I think it, it kept Djokovic's energy levels low, especially in the first set. But you have to wonder why was the dynamic so different from Australia when Djokovic, especially in the second and third set, was returning all of Medvedev's best best stuff. And you may be wondering, how about average speed on the first serve? Was it different from Australia and New York? No, it was, it was the same. There was a one-mile-per-hour difference um, in the two finals, which is negligible. Djokovic, you have to understand with the return of serve, a big part of it, is how much spring is in the legs. How much explosiveness can Djokovic have out of his split step? There are other factors that make Djokovic's return of serve one of the all-time great shots. There is the technique and how short and technically sound his, his strokes are. There is the uh, his eyes. I think Novak has great eyes. He tracks the ball well there's the anticipation, and then there's the reaction time, all of these things. But one of them, one of the major features and factors is his agility and explosiveness out of his split step. And that is why he can win these points where he looks like, I think, a soccer goalie uh, is what I like to compare him to. He's like a soccer goalie the way he tosses his body at these first serves. And a lot of the time, players hit perfect for serves, and they are returned because Djokovic is so incredible at covering the box, and he just wasn't in this case. When Medvedev hit his spots, which he did impeccably, they just weren't coming back. Now, who knows what would the result have been had Djokovic been the best version of himself returning and Medvedev serving at this level? The world will never know. Actually, hopefully we do know, because hopefully we get to see this matchup again and we get to see those two things come together. Who knows, um, but it just may have been one of those matches with Medvedev serving this well that maybe Djokovic would have needed to force a couple tie breaks or two. You know, maybe one or two tie breaks that that would have been necessary for Novak. Uh, Novak wasn't good enough in this match to do that. Medvedev was too much better than him, um, so that was that wasn't in the cards. But uh, the serving was absolutely key in this one. Now. One more tactic, last tactic I want to highlight for Medvedev before I, I talk about a, a key turning point in the match was uh, Medvedev playing up the middle after sensing Djokovic was eager to shorten points. If you watched my preview, you know that I discussed that Djokovic did not want to let the match get too physical, and this was especially true now. I mean, now Djokovic didn't have the legs, he was, you know, he was too eager to not let things get too physical. He was physically outmatched in this match. Um, so Novak had a real invest uh, invested interest in trying to shorten points. And Medvedev's response to this in the baseline rallies was very smart and very savvy, just going up the middle a lot, which is something I thought Djokovic was going to do um, because Medvedev struggles to generate offense from the middle. But it wasn't Medvedev who was really concerned with generating the offense, it was Djokovic. So Novak was not going up the middle. He was the one trying to open up the court and do damage. It was actually Medvedev playing up the middle, uh, which is really smart from him. One, Djokovic's footwork and timing was off, and sometimes when the ball's coming right at you, that is when your footwork is most vulnerable and most exposed. But more importantly, when Medvedev plays deep up the middle, and sometimes with not a lot of pace, he's giving Djokovic zero angles to work with, and it's very hard for Novak to do damage from that position from the middle of the court, especially when Medvedev hits with depth and doesn't give him any pace to work with. That drove Novak crazy, in my opinion, and Djokovic made so many unforced errors because Medvedev understood, oh, you want, you're want, you trying to finish points. Okay, I'm giving you slow, deep, through the middle. And you're going to hate that if you want to end the point. Because it's going to be really hard from that position. Very, very savvy from Medvedev. And he's so good uh, with his kind of feeling out his opponents. This is not a match that I want to talk about basically a lot of the different moments, obviously, because it was it was one way the whole time, which is Medvedev was better, and that was it. There's only one turning point that I feel is worthy of highlighting, and that was in the second set when Djokovic and the crowd um, were both really trying, Djokovic was trying his very best to get himself going at this point in the match and had an opening. Djokovic held serve to start the second set, and then had Love 40. At Love 40, I'm going to take you through every point here, Medvedev hit a poor dropper, and Djokovic goes to continental grip where he could have ripped it with his forehand grip because he had that kind of time. It was a poor dropper. Djokovic goes to continental grip, sticks it cross. Medvedev guesses correctly, and he has down the line, wide open, guides the passing shot down the line. Now you see Medvedev serving take over a little bit. At 1540, he hits an ace. At 3040, Djokovic gets his second chance. They get into a neutral baseline rally, and Djokovic nets a slice backhand rather awfully and uh, very ugly. And Medvedev, uh, excuse me, Djokovic's backhand slice, how can I put this? An unmitigated disaster in this match. Um I don't think it worked once. I don't think it was effective once. Doesn't mean he missed it every time, but I don't think there was one time where there was a rally and I felt like Djokovic's slice actually did its job in giving Novak some sort of advantage. On the contrary, he missed it a lot. So it, it was a total negative for him. So that was deuce. From deuce, Medvedev hit an ace up the t and then uh, hit a service winner on game point. Okay, there's Love 1. Very next service game by Medvedev. And again, Djokovic is is starting to uh, move a little bit better because he's picking up his intensity here. Start of the second set. He earns two more break points. In this case, it's hats off to Medvedev. So Novak had two chances there with the the uh, poor drop shot by Daniil and the, the neutral baseline rally with the slice error. But... At 1-2 here, Djokovic does not have a chance. Medvedev just plays impeccably well. Um, Now, there is this controversial let call. Not controversial. The call wasn't controversial. Just an unfortunate situation where they were in the opening stages of a rally that I thought was somewhat neutral, slight edge to Djokovic, if I'm going to be the judge of, like, who had the edge in the rally. Slight edge to Djokovic, but pretty neutral. Um, And the stadium speaker went off and they had to call a let. Now Medvedev, perhaps Karma and the tennis gods um kind of making things right, Medvedev missed his first serve. And then they get into um another rally off the second serve where Novak is a little passive. Medvedev makes his way up to net. Or actually it's really the return that Djokovic doesn't do very well with. And Medvedev makes his way up to net, but Djokovic hits a great pass here. Medvedev with an awesome backhand volley on the first break point. Then on the second break point, as Djokovic finds another chance to go up ahead 3-1 in the second set, Novak hits a block return right in the corner and Medvedev hits a fantastic backhand down the line winner. Best shot of the match, most underrated shot of the match. Clean winner for Medvedev. I think Djokovic was I was surprised that Medvedev didn't go cross-court. Djokovic was surprised they didn't go cross-court. But Medvedev just went after it and struck it perfectly in the corner. Unbelievable. That was Novak's chance. That was really Novak's chance to turn the match other than when he got the momentum at the very end of the match and Medvedev just played a fantastic 5-4 service game, as I mentioned, to serve it out. Um, but Medvedev breaks very next game, to all. It was a very tired service game by Djokovic. The the energy was fleeting, and that is when it was just like, holy moly, he is tired. Um, That was kind of the conclusion. I mean, Djokovic served and volleyed a bunch of times in this game, actually won every point, but it just kind of sends a message that he's not really confident in, and he doesn't want to rally. And uh, Novak makes an error here, going for way too much on a forehand down the line. He nets another awful-looking backhand slice. Uh, he prematurely approaches the net from too far behind the baseline down break point. And then Medvedev dips a, a passing shot, and it's a near-impossible half-volley that Djokovic can't make. So you can see the, se- the themes come out in those big points, and uh, that's the break for Medvedev. And That's really all I want to get into in terms of the play-by-play or the chronology of the match, um, because... That was really the point in time where maybe things could have been different and then they weren't. And Djokovic, um, or excuse me, Medvedev cruises from there. Um, besides, things got a little bit wild and uh, in the third set. And that brings me to the final topic that I have on uh, this episode of Monday Match Analysis, which is the crowd. Um, the crowd was behind Novak from start to finish. Uh, just like I, I had a feeling that the New York crowd was going to be kind to Novak. It just took longer than I thought. But this was a, an unbelievably partisan crowd. It was a unhinged crowd. It was a uh crowd that lacked tennis etiquette. That's what you get in New York. And look, I'm fine with it. I I like it. I'm biased. Totally biased. I've been going to the US Open my whole life. It's uh it's my home slam. I'm a New Yorker. I'm totally biased. But like I like – look, sometimes I'm like, shut up. This is ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. But I like that it's not Wimbledon. I like that there's a Wimbledon in this sport. I like that there's a U.S. Open in this sport and that there's things in between. Um, But anyway, Djokovic has an incredibly partisan crowd in his favor. And uh, people will, of course, wonder how did that affect the match? especially because Djokovic has won so many high-profile matches in his career with the crowd fully against him. The U.S. Open, that has been the case for most of it. So was the crowd a factor? Um, Other than pissing Medvedev off when he was serving for the match at 5-2 and causing Medvedev to double fault a bunch of times, no, uh, I really don't think it, it was. I thought that... Novak was nervous. He would have been nervous no matter what. Maybe if he got really angry at the crowd, it would have almost distracted him from what he was trying to do. But for the most part, I don't think so. And he was tired. He had no legs. That was the match. It was not the crowd. And let me just say this, in and I would say this no matter what the match was. Um, crowds are overrated in tennis uh, in terms of affecting the result. I do I think they're a little bit overrated. I don't think that they don't mean anything. I think they have an effect, but I think they have a much smaller effect in tennis than in other sports where we see home field advantage um have I guess the at least the the odds makers who need to figure these things out or or else they'll lose money. Uh so, so they're very reliable and being correct. You know, the odds maker in an American football game, home crowd is worth about three points in, in a game. Um, I, I I don't know what it is in, in other sports, to be completely honest. But um, in tennis, I think it's less. And the reason is there are studies and there is hard evidence that shows that the reason why crowds are so important in a lot of sports is because they influence the officiating. And in tennis... You can't influence the officiating, especially with electronic lines calling. The officiating is going to be what it is. The crowd does not affect that. So therefore, the only effect that a crowd can has have is motivating players. And that can have an effect, motivation, you know, that, that can certainly be a thing, especially when a crowd is pulling someone up, when they might feel down and out, and they might be kind of in a rut, and the crowd will lift them out of that. That happens, Sure. But for the most part, crowds are overrated in tennis. Their effect is overrated. The only thing that that I want to say about the crowd is I was just happy. I was just happy to see Novak get the love in New York uh, because it's deserved, in my opinion. And uh, that was great to see. And Novak felt good about it. And that was kind of a feel-good silver lining. The last thing I want to say um, about Novak and just the run was just... How incredible it was Um, and how I will – its to me, it's unforgettable. I don't think that it erases the history, at least in my mind, of uh, just how unbelievable it was from Australia, the oblique injury, getting through those matches, um, looking so good at the end there. Uh, going to Roland Garros, going down two sets to love on two separate occasions, beating Nadal, you know, that was the the Houdini slam from Djokovic, just coming through um, with the chips were down, then Wimbledon working through all the pressure, uh, then it it just built up to the US Open, it was even more pressure in New York, and uh, he played a lot of memorable matches in this one, and I was so impressed that he was able to get through Zverev playing, Zverev playing really, really well in the semi-final, I was impressed that he he didn't falter against Berrettini. He didn't falter against Nishikori and Brooksby. I mean, none of those wins were easy. All of them were impressive. People could roll their eyes at that. They could say, Gil, it's Novak, and you're impressed that he made the final? That's ridiculous. No, uh, because, I, I again, the pressure on Novak coming into this tournament was more than I've ever seen on a player other than Serena in my life. And... Uh, That is never, ever easy. So Djokovic should be very proud. Um, if you're a fan of his, you should have your, your, your chin up, your, your head held high based on just how magical this run was. Incredible. And I just don't think that this, this result was human. It's understandable. There's really no regrets in my opinion, or there shouldn't be. It is what it is. This was, uh, this was too difficult for him. Too much tennis, uh, Obviously, the draw wasn't easy, but also Novak just couldn't really extinguish players as quickly as he would have needed to because he didn't have his best tennis at all times, especially at the start of matches. And Daniil Medvedev is a worthy champion who was going to win a U.S. Open. He was absolutely due um, and just clearly was ready. And that was what, what happened here. So Medvedev, first major title, as I said in the beginning, congratulations to Medvedev and his fans. And that'll do it um, for this episode of Monday Match Analysis. Thank you, everyone, for bearing with me. It was both professionally, uh, you know, personally, an unforgettable U.S. Open and such an incredible tournament. And um, I'm really thankful that I was able to finish off on YouTube and, and talk about these matches, but I'm also... Uh, thankful for everyone's understanding that I wasn't able to cover most of the tournament and um, was able to uh, have a great experience at U.S. Open Radio. So all good. Um, wrapping up majors. Wow, no more majors for the rest of 2021. Unbelievable. What, what a fantastically rewarding season of uh, Grand Slam season it has been. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.